0: Welcome to the Face Yoga Expert podcast, coming up.
1: I definitely didn't write the mainstream book that people wanted me to write, you know. Uh, But then again, I don't think anything that I've done or do is particularly mainstream. Like, I'm sure there, there is elements of it, but for me, it was always about like, you know, not trying to reach the masses, but actually more trying to reach that one or two people who really needed to hear that specific thing because they they haven't, you know, nobody's talking about it.
0: I'm your host, Danielle Collins, and I'm the world-leading face yoga expert, best-selling author of the book, Danielle Collins Face Yoga, and creator of the international teacher training program, The Danielle Collins Face Yoga Method. Seventeen years ago, I healed myself from chronic illness and I've spent the last 15 years teaching, sharing and serving millions of people in person, on TV and online to help them look and feel the best version of themselves. This podcast is about giving you simple, effective, natural tips and advice and sharing knowledge and insight from industry experts. If you have a friend who you think would enjoy this podcast, please share it on social media as it means so much if you took a moment to rate and review this podcast as it allows more people to feel healthier and happier naturally. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This is the Face Yoga Expert podcast. Hi friends, hope you're doing well. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time ever, a warm, warm welcome. And if you are one of our regulars, welcome back. And as always, I appreciate you taking the time to be part of this community and to listen to this podcast. So this week's guest is Tova Lee. Now Tova Lee is a fellow Watkins author. So she shares the same publishers with me. And I first heard, about her through my publishers and they asked me to come along and speak about face yoga and do a little bit of face yoga at her book launch back in oh I'm trying to remember now I think right at the beginning of March I think it was about 2 weeks before lockdown happened and Tova is an international sensation she is a blogger she started blogging in 2015 she is an actress she is a performer she is an author and she is a absolute sensation on social media. So she has a huge following on TikTok and on Instagram. She does lots of blogs, lots of blogs. She was born in Israel. She started her career as a lawyer. She then moved on to being an actress and then very much got into the mum blogger scene. Now, one of the things she's really known for is her raw honesty. And she really says what most people are thinking but are too scared to say. So this podcast is everything that Tova is about. It is about women empowerment. It is about self-care. It's about really owning who we are. It's about how we feel as we get into that 40 plus age bracket and how we all deserve to look and feel the best version of ourselves. So I know you're going to laugh along with this podcast. You're going to feel empowered and you're going to just want to go and action some of the tips that she gives us. So before we get into the podcast, just a little reminder about my book, Danielle Collins Face Yoga. You can read it, listen to it or use it in lots of different ways. So you can get the actual paper copy on Amazon or in lots of good bookstores. You can also get it as a Kindle Edition. You can get it as an audio book now. You can also do it as part of my ten day course. So the ten day course is something for personal use. It's not our teacher training course. It's just for your own use, and you get a video content, ten minutes per day of face yoga, working all parts of the face. So you only have to dedicate ten minutes a day to it over the ten day period. So it's a really great way just to track your results. I always say take a photo at the beginning of the ten days, and then at the end of the ten days that really really just allows you to notice how you're looking and how your face is just glowing from that dedication of 10 minutes a day. But something which I feel most passionate about, about doing just 10 minutes a day of face yoga is how it's going to make you feel. Giving you that time for pampering, for self-nurturing and for self-care is so important and will really help you feel better as well. And the lovely thing about the 10-day course is you get a full digital copy of my book as well, which includes all of those exercises, talks all about face yoga, how it works, my journey into face yoga, skincare tips, nutrition tips, yoga tips. It is all in that book. So loads of ways you can find out about it. And the easiest and quickest way is just to go to my website, faceyogaexpert.com, and you will see all the information there. So let's get in to this week's episode with the lovely, fabulous Tova Lee. Tova, hi, and thank you for being on the Face Yoga Expert podcast. How are you today? Oh, thank you for having me. I'm good. I'm really good. I need some face yoga. <laughs> <laughs> I know. 2020 has been quite a year, hasn't it? It really has. Totally. <laughs> Crazy times. How has your 2020 been? If you are going to sort of summarise it, how do you feel it's been?
1: Oh my god, what a question. (laughs) Um, It's really weird because it started like with a big bang because you know my book came out in March, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just before (laughs) COVID hit. So it was literally just as things were starting to happen. So the year started great and I went to America and I did my tour and then I got back and it was just, we just went straight into lockdown after that and I feel like it's been an emotional roller coaster to be honest like I've gone through everything all the stages of <laughs> I don't know what you know anger sadness uh, you know despair hopeful it's like every day is a new bucket of emotions i guess So true.
0: I think you're just speaking the same language as everyone at the moment. And it literally is that. Throughout a day, you can go through so many emotions. And I think it really depends as well what what you're doing in that moment. I find that whenever I read anything about the news, so I don't watch the news, I just sort of get it up on my phone and just look through the BBC website. And I find as soon as I do that, instantly that changes my mood. And I suddenly got this fear and this worry. And then I'll do something. Really nice, you know, go for a nice walk or do some yoga. And then suddenly I feel all chilled and calm about it again. And it literally is just up and down like that all the time.
1: Yeah. It's
0: crazy, crazy times. Well, there's so much I want to ask you on this podcast over. But what I'm really interested in is your journey into blogging so I know you started blogging in 2015 but then obviously since then you've been on such a journey and your career has just massively taken off so what sort of got you into blogging in the first place
1: so it wasn't really something I had planned I I say I fell into it really because I was uh, you know I I had trained previously as an actress that's what brought me to the UK and um I sort of did that for a while and then moved on and started writing and did some short films and sort of did the whole festival kind of thing and then got married, had three kids in the space of two years and had to sort of put that to one side. Because being an actress and having a, a, a new family and like young kids is very, very difficult unless you have loads of help, which we didn't have. So I was quite like, I said, okay, well, this didn't turn out, this didn't happen, that's okay. It was already my second major career because really init- initially I trained as an attorney in Israel and I worked uh, as a lawyer for a few years before I moved to England. So I wasn't really attached to it, if you know what I mean. I was like, okay, well, you know, what's next? Uh, and I was working in an office and... Um, I just one day decided to start writing a blog because I was quite, uh, I was really struggling at the beginning in motherhood. I mean, you know, I found it very difficult and very lonely and I didn't know what I was doing and I had lots of mom guilt and all the sort of, you know, usual things. And I kind of, I, I guess I started a blog to be able to voice those things and just to be able to vent because I thought if I didn't vent, I would just explode. And I really didn't expect it to resonate with so many people because actually at the time, this is 2015, even though there were some people talking about the less glamorous uh, sides of motherhood, uh, a lot of it was still happy moms and happy kids and lovely pictures with everybody wearing white, which I don't understand because I can't wear white, like I haven't worn white like, in nearly 10 years. So, Same. you know, all, all of that. Yeah. And then it kind of took off uh, to an extent. And then I saw maybe in America, actually, people doing vlogs, which is basically a video blog. So they were talking into camera uh, and really ranting about the different things that they wanted to rant about. And I thought, well, this is interesting because actually I can work a camera. I know how to edit I am an actress, I should try this. And then as soon as I did that, it just really exploded. Video format is a, is a format that people prefer. And it just goes further. So yeah, so the page suddenly really grew very quick. And I was still working in the office, and I still didn't consider it a career. And then at some point, I realized I was doing 30 hours in an office. And then doing I don't know how many hours because you know what it's like you invest a lot of time in 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 social media and in creating content and on top of that I had three very young kids so I decided to take a leap of faith (laughs) leave the office job which was you know the the salary was what we we depended on that money like I needed it but I was like I'm gonna give it a go and that was it. And then I sort of didn't look back after that. So, yeah. That's just
0: wonderful. And I love your story. And one of the things that you said, which really sort of stuck out for me was you were talking about something which resonates with so many mothers and so many women. And I think that that is something which is really apparent through everything you do from your book to your social media, to your blogs. You really actually say what most people are thinking or feeling, but perhaps they're not showing it and perhaps they're not saying it. And it's like you say it for all of us. And that's something which I admire in what you do so, so much and something which comes across particularly in your book so well. I read your book in two days, um, (laughs) then lent it to a friend of mine who's a mum of two kids as well. Such a great book. What sort of took you on that journey to then say, okay, I'm gonna take what I've been doing and what I've been sharing and actually put it into a book and really open up in my book and really tell the raw story of everything I've been going through. So the blog was
1: called My Thoughts About Stuff. And in the past few years I had been approached a few times by, you know, people saying, Oh, we should write a book and why don't you write a book? But most of them wanted me to write about parenting and it was either going to be a how-to book or how-to-not book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I just didn't feel that was the book I wanted to write because even though, you know, parenting was a massive part of what I was doing on social media, I didn't really feel like I was the person to write a book about parenting. It wasn't really, it was, it just wasn't what I wanted to do. And then I hit my 40s, and in my 40s, like new things started to happen. I sort of went through what I call a midlife crisis, but really it wasn't brilliant. It was like a party, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> and um, lots of new things sort of, you know, you reach that point where your kids are over five and over seven and suddenly you go, oh, okay, they don't need me as much. So hang on a minute. Like, who am I and what's left? And oh God, where's my vagina? You know, I haven't seen it in a while. Like in all of those things, you know? So I, I was in that, kind of place and I decided to really and then I had a bit of a health scare which ended up being fine all of that's in the book and I sort of decided right I'm gonna go out and really kind of rediscover myself and I did my whole mom life crisis series that later became a film on Amazon and I went out I did a bucket list and I sort of did loads of things you know bungee jumping went to Nepal took up pole dancing, did a nude photo shoot. Like I just went there and I explored, you know, my sexuality and all these things that we sort of just do and never really question like monogamy or all those things. And after that, I felt, okay, now I have something to write about. Now I feel like I have a story that I want to tell that I haven't heard from anybody else that I think uh, maybe some some women out there would want to hear maybe, you, you know, I I didn't know. I definitely didn't write the mainstream book that people wanted <laughs> yeah. me to write, you know. Uh, but then again, I don't think anything that I've done or do is particularly mainstream. A Like, I, I'm sure there, there is elements of it. But for me, it was always about, like, you know, n- not trying to reach the masses, but actually more trying to, reach that one or two people who really needed to hear that specific thing because they they haven't you know nobody's talking about it and not for shock factor like at all just for actually this is totally normal this is totally real this is what a lot of people are thinking and i'm so glad by the way because I think I have a great uh, how do you say bouncing board like is that how you say it um <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> and then, <laughs> that kind of like board you know when you have your friends your girlfriends and you yeah. can say anything oh, to them Oh I know what you mean where you can bounce yeah. ideas
0: off each other yes. Yes. yes
1: yeah yes and they were the initial people that when I sort of said ooh you know, I'm feeling like this, God, am I weird? And they would turn around and say, oh my God, like, I feel like that. But I didn't know anybody else did, you know, that type of thing. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought, well, if three of my friends think that, you know, three out of five, then that means there's a whole bunch of women out there who probably think that. So that's kind of how the book came about. It's brilliant. And I'd
0: really recommend anyone listening to go and get a copy of that book. Absolutely. Because it's actually great for mothers and mothers really will resonate with it. But I actually feel even if you aren't a mother and you're either approaching 40 or you're already in your 40s, you will resonate with so much in it. And I guess as you wrote it, you were writing it for women as a whole because it's really got a sort of women's
1: empowerment feel to it was was that something that you were feeling as you were writing it as well yeah totally I mean I'm glad you said that like I'm happy that that comes across it's obviously can we say the name of the book by the way please. yes you can say what you want on this podcast oh good okay because I never know you know I have to make up names for the books no no keep (laughs) it real here keep it real so I mean it's called fucked at 40 and uh you know I feel like we're fucked at all ages but people Mm -hmm. were always are concerned or like oh my god why fucked is it awful to turn 40 and I'm like no it's fucked like in the best possible way yeah. because i honestly do believe that there's a big conspiracy theory out there you know we've been we've been told you know, at women. I mean, we've mm-hmm. been told that, you know, aging is like the the end of the world for women and you know, it all goes downhill after 30 and all that. And I honestly think it's the biggest lie, you know. I really I'm I, I know for a lot of women this is true in their forties and your fifties, you, you you so you sort of feel liberated, you know, mm-hmm. from many things that maybe sort of influenced you when you were younger. And for me, it was very much about empowering women, about aging, about body image, you know, which I know a lot of women struggle with anyway, but especially, you know, for moms who whose bodies did change, you know, uh, due to childbirth or, you know, what pregnancies and just a general kind of being yourself and being authentic. And, you know, I talk a lot about the fuck it moment, that mm-hmm. sort of moment in your 40s where you just go fuck it this is who I am. Like, that's it. And there's so many elements, there's so many layers of it. The book, by the way, is not like a heavy read. It's a light read. I'm sure there are books that are far better, (laughs) far better in doing what I was trying to do. But, uh, you know, which was to sort of be very honest about my personal journey. And at the same time, hopefully people would take something away in the form of, Just be who you are, because really that's the best thing you could possibly be. And even as a parent, by the way, I realized that I was for years trying to be the perfect mom and I had all this idea of what that perfect mom would be. You know, she liked doing arts and crafts and she'd be, you know, quite happy to help with homework and, you know, she'd have this patience and she'd be doing this or be doing that. And it just didn't fit me. You know, it just didn't fit me. And, you know, the moment I realized that I am doing the the best job that I can do with my daughters is to just be who I am and for them to see that. It was such a massive relief. And I do those things as well. But I do them now from a completely different place, you know. And I don't do them when I don't want to do them. And there are other things that we do that I say, well, actually, this is what I want to do. Who wants to do it with me? And they come aboard. And, like, the idea of, like, this is what a mom should be like just went out the window. Because, you know, it's just not who I am. And everybody needs to kind of establish who they are. Absolutely. And your your daughters, I
0: love how they do get involved with what you do. And I yeah. know that yeah. you get a lot of negativity and a lot of hate and a lot of trolls, sometimes quite sort of vicious towards you but you can really see if you really look into what what you're doing you can really see how much your daughters enjoy being part of that and I would only guess that they are completely proud of their mum because actually what you're doing is being a massive trailblazer as a female for the next generation to actually show that we can stand up in our power we can have our own businesses we can express our truth and how we're feeling how do you find that your daughters sort of respond to it sure that that there's both sides of it there's that side that i talked about that empowering but there's probably a side of it like all all daughters that are a bit embarrassed
1: about what their mum does as well yeah totally i mean you know time will tell at the end of the day they're very very young my eldest is nine the twins are seven uh you know they're still at that really sweet spot where they think i'm a rock star you know and they want to hang out with me but yeah. i know that's not, that's <laughs> not gonna be for much longer uh, you know, some of their friends are on TikTok and uh, follow me on TikTok. So, you know, that's quite interesting. Okay. Um and awkward, but, but a bit <laughs> interesting. Um, you know, listen, at the end of the day, there's a lot of people who do what I do and have their children involved to whatever extent they decide to involve them in. We, you know, I ask them, they I think they know when I when they are in something, I get permission. But then you always ask, well, they're seven and nine. So what does that actually mean? And I'm very aware of that. So it's an open debate in our house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure I'm making tons of mistakes. Uh, I which, think we like, all I said, are. I don't think. Years, you're yeah, that. years of therapy I'm going to have to pay for. But you know, like I'm, I'm doing my best, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the good, you know, is more than the bad, and uh, you know, we, we're all kind of like it's all trial and error. It, it <laughs> like, is. you, you just don't know. But they are generally very independent girls who i think are are you know they they don't just see me you know, they have their dad. And I think that's a really important part of the puzzle. Because, you know, I, I talk about this in the book as well, I grew up in a house whereby there was very, very defined roles, you know, my mom was the housemaker, and she didn't work outside of the house of home. My dad was the breadwinner. And he, you know, he, but it was it was quite, there was a very, it wasn't an even relationship in many ways. And I know that that had a massive impact on me. Like, I know it did. And I think it was also quite confusing because my dad would encourage, it did encourage me to study and to get to to be, to be have a career. But then on the other hand, it didn't look like that's what he wanted for my mom. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there was a bit of confusion there. But my daughters are growing up in a house where mommy and daddy are like really, really, really equal partners. You know, mm. we, both of us are very lucky. We work from home and we're both just as involved in everything that has to do with raising them and that is what they see every day so in that in my mind that has an impact as well and i'm very i'm very happy that that's the reality you know for them
0: Absolutely. And we're we're exactly the same and we bring our children up exactly the same. It's very, very much 50-50. And it's really interesting because people often say things to me like, isn't your husband good? Isn't he hands-on? Isn't he a great dad? Do you get that as well? All the time. All the time. So funny. And
1: I'm thinking, well, hang on a
0: minute. I know. (laughs) know. You never have someone go, oh, that mum is so hands-on. Isn't she good spending time with her kids?
1: (laughs) It makes me laugh. But it's good, you know, like, mm-hmm. I think it's very important uh, thing to, to actually highlight because I, yeah. I, I think people do it as a, it's not out of meanness. It's not like a mean thing. It's just like, it's the norm. So you just, I would probably say something like that a few years ago as well and not even realize what's behind it, you know? And now, obviously, Mike and I notice it so much more. I, I said to him the other day, somebody asked me in an interview, how do you juggle it all and I, I laughed and they were like, why are you laughing? And I said, this is exactly the type of question nobody would ever ask my husband ever. Like he's never been asked. How do you juggle it all? Like, yes. <laughs> that's just like,
0: that's that is so like, true. People ask me this too. I know you're so right. And no one's ever asked my husband. How funny. <gasps> my gosh. Yeah. Isn't it but crazy? you don't notice. There's yeah. like
1: all of those and they're so little and they're just so part of our language and yeah. nobody noticed them and... Uh, But I know that we're also in a very different situation to a lot of people. I'm very aware of that. I know that uh, for many people, like our jobs are just that type of jobs that we can do them from home and we can be as like that. I know for a lot of people, that's not the case.
0: Absolutely. That's so true. That's so true. And if a woman's listening to this now, one of our listeners are listening to this and thinking, well, I'm 40 or I'm almost at 40. And actually, I do feel like I'm stuck in a rut, maybe not looking the way I want to. I mean, with, with the job I do, I have a, a lot of women talk to me and, and wish that they looked or, or even felt the way that they did in their 20s or in their early 30s. And something which I really try to bring across with what I do is it's not about trying to look a different version or a younger version of ourselves. It's just trying to look and feel the best version of ourselves, who we are now and the age we are now. So what would your advice be for someone that might be listening to this in their 40s and thinking, I just feel mentally, physically, emotionally, sort of just a little bit stuck and a little bit maybe resentful of of getting older?
1: there's a massive connection obviously with how between how you know with between how you look or how you're more like how your body feels and how you feel mm-hmm. so what i'm trying to say is for me movement was a big part of the journey and the process in that midlife crisis section that i was you know talking about re, uh, before it was not so much about how i'm going to look at the end but more about how i wanted to feel And for me, it was physical, like, but physical in terms of moving, not not necessarily reducing a size or, you know, getting that tummy tuck or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. So... I realized that I just, I needed to move and it started with something small like a walk and then later I started doing the pole dancing and honestly, for every woman, any woman out there who's ever been even a little bit curious, I would say go to pole dancing (laughs) when you can because it's so, it's so much fun and I gained so much respect towards my body and I think to put yourself in a place where you're almost like setting yourself up to fail because the whole premise is, I'm gonna look hot while climbing a pole, <laughs> yeah. and remembering that w- at gym class I couldn't climb that dime rope like to save my life. So, like, how the hell am I gonna climb a pole? It's slippery. Uh, not to mention the fact you're surrounded by twenty year olds who all look like Victoria's Secret models, and they literally were wearing, you know, uh, Supergirl like and and Wonder Woman thongs. Oh my goodness! So you know, it's like. Yeah, you're thinking, no, this is going to be dreadful, but it wasn't. And what it taught me was, apart from how to hump the floor, what it (laughs) taught me was how, like, to respect my body, not so much for what it looked like, but actually for what it was capable of doing. Because I did manage to climb that pole. Mm -hmm. And I did manage to do those twirls around and flip upside down and all those things I never thought I would be able to do. And I thought, wow, like, I can't believe that I... I'm so cruel to this body. Like I'm so, Ooh, you're ugly and Ooh, you're fat and all of that. When it's such a fucking kick-ass body, you know, that can do these things. So it was changing the attitude. And I, you know, there's a lot of talk about loving your body and loving your body. I've 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 talked about this a few times. I think it's a waste of our time to try and love parts of our body because, you know, I, my area that I'm not, overly keen over or the the area that has changed the most in my life is probably my stomach Mm -hmm. I've had two c-sections I'm left with a scar I've got the the c-section shelf the numb area and all of that not my favorite part of my body Mm -hmm. but to go and now waste so much energy on what therapy to love that part of my body when there are a lot of other parts of my body that I've never really thought about like my elbows yeah you know my knees, I don't know, my ankles, <laughs> I, I have no emotions towards them. Yeah. Then why am I trying to develop such a deep emotion towards uh, this part of my body? So I tried to shift my thinking and for it to not be so much about love, but more about appreciation, respect, and just get on with it. And I would say it does come from the in out, all that. Today, I People say to me sometimes, oh, you're so brave." To wear a bikini and I'm thinking that's like an insult. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> what you're <laughs> saying, <laughs> saying is that I shouldn't be wearing a bikini. Yeah. But I'm so bright. But it's not that I overcame it and thought, oh fuck it I don't care what I look like anymore. It was about actually I think I look fucking great. So, you know, because there isn't one way to look in a bikini. That's a lie. It's yes. just like the lie about age. It's yeah. a made up thing. Somebody made it up mm-hmm. and it just it's stuck. That's it, you know? And I think uh, it's getting better. I think you see more of it. And also, can I just say, for anybody who's listening out there who says, yeah, but I see online and I see on Instagram all these, you know, lovely slim ladies, then don't follow them. Yeah, Just don't. Go and follow other women who (laughs) who make you feel great. Completely. We do have a choice. Surround yourself by the people who you look at their feed and you go, oh, this is inspiring. This (laughs) made me feel great today. You know, this made me want to tuck my shirt in, even though I have a bit of a, a bulge underneath. So fucking what? She's doing it. You yeah. know, we have a choice is my point. So, yeah,
0: it. <laughs> No, I think that is great. And we have a choice. It's so, so important. And also, I think it's really important what you said about we don't have to love every part of ourselves because I often think that there's a really close relationship between the love and hate. And one of the best things that we can get to. And one of the best places we can get to is almost that place of indifference, like you're saying about an elbow or a knee, or just acceptance. Or even if we can get to a place of gratitude, you know, like you say, if your stomach's not your favourite place. However, if you didn't have that wonderful stomach, you would have never yeah. been able to birth your three wonderful children. So, exactly. you know, to have just that acceptance and gratitude. And I think that is one of the positive things about getting older. We start to put things in perspective. We start, think actually does it matter if our stomach's not perfectly toned no because look what it's done for us over the last 40 plus years so i think that that is is so important and do you have any sort of go to things that you do to look after your own wellness and your own mental health? Because obviously, like we said, you're busy, you're a working mum. And I know that you do have to deal with a lot of negativity online as well, as well as all the lovely stuff you get from online. Because so I know you have a very, very loyal following, but is there anything you do sort of on a daily basis to look after your own mental health?
1: Yeah, I mean to be honest, uh, I think that for a lot of people, uh, lockdown this year has has actually been a real struggle. Mm-hmm. For me personally, I think it has been because a lot of the things that I did and and do, and I'm 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 still doing them, but probably not enough. Kind of did go out the window at least for the first few months when it all kind of you know when it all happened because we it was such a new situation for me I've just written now the extra chapter for my book because my paperback is coming out in uh, March Uh, so I wrote a whole chapter about you know lockdown and um, you know I felt like I really went into survival mode and when you're in survival mode you know your kind of your needs do you know what I mean they sort yeah. of they sort of go to the bottom of that list right you're sort mm-hmm. of like thinking how do I get toilet paper yeah. that's your main priority you know you're yeah. not thinking about you're like, so my right. mental health yeah and then yeah. six months later you realize Jesus my mental health is like shit at the moment and you realize that you've got loads of toilet paper <laughs> but you're very sad you know so, so true hmm so that's kind of what happened to me, I guess. Um, but generally speaking, I haven't given up on my walks. I should probably go back to doing them in the woods. I think nature is a must, especially if you're living in a city, you know, just having that kind of to go and soak in, you know, the trees and and the smell of the ground and all of that, you know. And I'm not an overly spiritual person, but I do think that it does change your you know your mood i've spoken a lot and i do and i wrote a lot about it in my book as well about mommy's special bath time i'm all about a bit of masturbation
0: (laughs) and you're great how open you talk about that as well that was one of the other things i love i love about you because so many people don't talk about that and and you're just so open about that so that's just amazing yeah but listen.
1: The thing is that, A, it's supernatural and everybody does it. But the second thing is, like, you know, orgasms have been known. Like, they they have such a great impact on your mood, on your, you know, on your skin, on your mental health, on everything. And it's, like, way cheaper than going to your shrink, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And And it's it's natural. So, you know, I'm thinking um, it's a win-win situation. Um, So, yeah, and you can do it by yourself, which is great. And uh, so, yeah, so... Does that was the other thing that I talked about a lot and I would recommend? Um, and again, the thing that I struggled with in lockdown, which, you know, I think a lot of people probably struggle with, is friends. Uh, that to have that community, you know, of people who you can meet up with. A massive revelation for me was when it came to, because I talk a lot about relationships as well with my husband, Mike. I really did put a lot of expectations and pressure on that relationship because somewhere at the back of my mind he was supposed to be my everything and provide everything for me and be my best friend my best lover the best father like everything and I think that's a big thing to expect from one person and I think the day that I sort of uh, thought no actually there's so many things that I can do with my friends and I like doing my friends and he doesn't actually have to be part of that and it doesn't mean that we're not close it just doesn't mean it just means that That's not something that I do with him. Our relationship was better and I was happier. I think being surrounded by women just generally makes you feel good as a woman. So I would say, yeah, friends, masturbation and nature. Lovely.
0: (laughs) That is a perfect place to finish this podcast. I mean, such good takeaways all round. And Tova, if people want to get in contact with you, if they want to listen to your amazing podcast that you do with your husband, Mike, or they want to read your book, how can they do that?
1: So, everything's on my website, com, but I'm also on all socials, Tova Lee, which is L E I G H, because some people think it's L E E. And the book is called Fucked at 40, and it's sold worldwide. You can find it on Amazon. Thank you so much,
0: Tova. You have been such an amazing guest. Thank you for having me.